podcast. Today is um, episode 81, and I wanted to talk about auditory sensory processing. This is one of my favorite senses to talk about because once you know the signs and have seen them hundreds of thousands of times, you can recognize it right away. Not only that, but I love explaining this one to parents because you can see the aha moment on their face when they get it. One of the red flags for me is when I hear a parent say that it seems like their child can't hear, but then they explain that they've had their hearing checked and they passed, so they're not sure why it seems like they still can't hear. It is a real mystery to people who are in this position. Parents who are struggling to figure out why this is happening and what they can do about it. It is one area that, even though it is still an abstract concept, they can usually understand it after some explanation. The way I found that it seems to be the easiest to understand is this. First of all, since they've had their hearing checked and they passed, we know they can hear. From a sensory perspective, what's going on is that when they hear you say something, it takes longer than we think it should for their brain to process that they heard something and then to figure out what they heard and then to figure out how to respond to it. So generally, it's the time it takes their brain to realize that they heard something and to figure out how to respond to what they heard. In the case where, where a child hasn't passed their hearing test, but the doctor or audiologist say that the child has fluid in their ear or ears with or without an ear infection, many times parents are still at the point where they think their child just can't hear them because of the fluid. So that's why they aren't responding right away <clears throat> when they call their name. And this could be the case, of course. But it could also be that after the fluid clears up, the child will pass their hearing test and still have issues with auditory processing. If the child has an actual medical hearing loss, then it becomes more difficult to determine how much the hearing loss versus sensory processing might be affecting their ability to respond to things that you say to them. For my purpose, I'm going to stick with the first situation where the child has passed their hearing tests and they're showing signs of auditory processing delays. And we're also going to talk about the other side of it, which is kids that have auditory processing sensitivity. One fairly reliable way of figuring out if there is a difference in auditory processing is by completing a sensory evaluation like a sensory profile or a sensory processing measure. This does give some nice concrete information which can be helpful for parents who are just beginning to learn about sensory processing. There are, <clears throat> there are many OTs out there that can also just figure this out just by talking with a child's parents, caregivers, or teachers. In addition to auditory processing delays, the other side of this is that some people are more sensitive than others. So instead of being delayed in their ability to process sounds, their brain processes sounds very quickly, maybe faster than other people. This can mean that when they hear a sound, they notice it right away. And they most likely notice sounds that no one else in the room notices. 
A person with sensitivities like this will not be able to block out or ignore sounds that are not really necessary to pay attention to, like background noises in the room, such as a refrigerator motor turning on or a dog barking outside, even though they're inside the house. A child with sensitivities in the home environment, things you might hear parents saying are, are things like, Their child seems distracted when they go out to eat at restaurants, and they may not eat well in places like that because it's so loud. Their child might seem anxious in public places. They might act out at seemingly random times for no apparent or obvious reason. The child covers their ears. They don't like it when people sing happy birthday, and they might cry or become upset when unexpected sounds happen, like a balloon popping or sirens going off. The child doesn't like the 4th of July or fireworks going off. The vacuum cleaner or the hair dryer can be terrifying to them. They might frequently cover their ears, especially in public places, or put a blanket over their head. The child may have trouble sleeping at night without a fan, music, or other type of white noise. For a child with delayed processing, the parents might report that the child doesn't seem to hear them when they call their name. They might be looking right at them, and it still seems like they can't hear what they're saying to them. They're always talking with a very loud voice. You might have to ask the child five times to go get their shoes or their jacket when you're trying to leave the house. They might have trouble following multi-step directions, as appropriate for their age. You have to touch them to get their attention most of the time. They might speak using a very quiet voice. In the school setting, kids that are showing signs of auditory sensitivities, their teachers might report things like they're constantly humming or singing or making some other types of sounds with their mouth. They become very upset by the fire alarm or other unexpected sounds over the school intercom system. They speak very loudly even when the room is quiet. They might cover their ears with their hands or hats or other clothing. They frequently say that everyone is being too loud. They might have sudden vocal outbursts in class or physically act out by knocking things off their desk or becoming upset, again, for no apparent or obvious reason. For kids with auditory processing delays at school, teachers might say, that it seems like the kids can't hear them, and they're frequently not paying attention to what the teacher is saying. They might be looking around the room at other kids while the teacher is talking. They miss instructions or seem to not be doing what they're supposed to do next after given verbal instructions, or showing a delay in response to following the directions. And they sometimes wait to see what their classmates are doing before they start doing it too. The child seems to do better in a one-on-one situation rather than in a big group. The teacher has to repeat things several times before the child seems to understand what they're saying. These are just some of the more common or obvious signs of auditory processing difficulties that you might find at home and at school. Now, let me back up and talk more about what's going on here. Let's figure out why these things are the result of auditory processing issues. 
As I mentioned already, we are not talking about a child who has a hearing loss. In the case of sensory processing, we are talking about a child who has a difficult time processing things that they hear in an appropriate manner and an appropriate amount of time. You can think of it in a few different ways. One is the time it takes the brain to process that it heard something, first of all, then to process what it heard, and figure out how to respond or not respond to that sound. Then if the brain decided to respond, the person takes action. In what we would usually consider typical auditory processing of this manner, the process takes a split second, what seems like instantaneous. When someone calls your name, you turn and look right away to visually find the person calling out to you. When the phone rings in the other room, you immediately process that it's your phone ringing and you take action, either getting up to go get it or letting it ring and deciding to call whomever it is back later. For a person with delayed auditory processing, their ability to process this information takes longer than we would expect. I can't say an exact amount of time because that is highly variable depending on the person. A person with auditory processing delays may not appear to notice the phone ringing in the other room until maybe the third or fourth ring after everyone else has already noticed it. And it's possible that someone else has already brought the phone to them by the time they finally realize it was ringing and they're starting to finally look around for it. Generally speaking, it seems like the majority of people who have this delay could take anywhere from several seconds to maybe a minute longer than most people to process what they hear. You know, I always like to acknowledge that there are exceptions to this like anything else, and I don't have any scientific evidence of the exact time delays in people with auditory processing issues, but I would love to read about that if anyone does have that. I'm just going off my years of experience in working with kids who have sensory processing delays to give you a rough idea of what I'm talking about here. Now, let's take this to another level, because I believe it is a lot more complicated than what I just described. I like to break it down to a simple example to help people understand the concept. However, it goes beyond this because in our world, it would be extremely rare to experience only one sound stimulus at a time. So, when the phone starts ringing, someone may be opening a door to enter the room. At the same time, the ceiling fan is on, and one of the pull strings is repetitively tapping against the light of the fan. At the same time, someone scoots their chair forward across the floor, and two people are having a conversation a few feet away, all within proximity and earshot of the person with auditory processing delays. Now, what does this mean? Well, if you were thinking about this simple example where we were only talking about the phone ringing and how it took the person with auditory delays, let's say, 30 seconds before they realized or processed that the phone was ringing and they were just beginning to act on that realization, before the phone started ringing, all of these other sounds that I just mentioned were already happening. And in most environments, many more sounds would also have been happening. This person's brain was already working on processing all of these other sounds that were going on before the phone even started ringing. Then, 
By the time the phone actually started ringing, their brain was still working on processing those other sounds first, which could have made their ability to notice or begin to process the ringing sound even more delayed than it might have been in some other quieter room. You can think about this in a few different ways. One, the person's brain is working on processing the sound of the ceiling fan pulsing, tapping against the light, when the two people start talking to each other across the room. So, now that person's ability to process the ceiling fan sounds is compounded or delayed even more by the conversation of the other two people, and their sounds becoming com- compounded by the ceiling fan and the chair scooting across the floor. And then the sound of the door opening in the room creates more delays because this person's brain is attempting to process and respond or not respond to each of these sounds. But because they are delayed in their processing, their brain can become overloaded in a way that you can basically forget about them noticing the phone ringing on top of all of that. What if those two people having a conversation together had at some point during this time turned to talk to the person who was in the middle of all of this auditory processing, and they asked the person what they wanted to eat for dinner that night. Do you think they would answer that question, or do you think they might have a look on their face that makes it seem like they didn't hear anything those two people said at all? Now, it took me a while to describe this scenario just now, but imagine this happening all during a one or two minute time period. That is a lot of things going on in this person's brain in a very short amount of time. And just think, this is happening to them all day, every day. It wouldn't be to this extreme for all people, of course, but again, to give you a pretty good good idea of the concepts here. Consider that many people with auditory processing delays aren't aware that all of these attempts at processing are even happening unless they've been made aware of it by others, or are extremely self-aware somehow. They may not recognize that their brain is working so hard to process all of the sounds in their environment. Honestly, most people don't realize all of the work our brains are doing all of the time, not just with auditory stimuli, but with so many other things. In this case, the auditory stimuli are enough for the person in our example, though. One thing I haven't talked about yet is something called habituation. Our brains are wired so that we are able to habituate. This means that when a sound stimulus comes in, if the sound is a repetitive type of a sound, in this example, the ceiling fan pull strings would be considered a repetitive sound, our brains would recognize that this sound is happening over and over again, that it is actually not an important sound. So we don't need to continue to process that sound over and over again. Essentially, our brains are able to shut that sound out so we really don't notice it anymore. And we make ourselves available to notice other sounds that are important instead. Basically, our brains are able to ignore it for the time being. A person with auditory processing issues may not have this ability to habituate. Every time that ceiling fan pull string taps against the light, they might notice it as if it is a brand new sound. 
they may not have the ability to ignore that sound because their brain has not been able to determine that it is not an important sound and that they don't need to continue paying attention to it every time. Therefore, they are paying attention to each tap against the light and going through the process to determine that they heard a sound and figure out what that sound is and how to respond, if at all, over and over each time. For a person with delays in their ability to process sounds, you can see how this could compound the processing situation and delay their response times even more. I believe this is a possible issue for any person with auditory processing differences, but is more likely to affect those people with sensitivities to sounds. Because the person who is more sensitive could become overwhelmed or even anxious because of all the repetitive sounds they are constantly hearing, and their brain is constantly trying to process, and they're not able to block it out. Again, without realizing how hard their brain is working to process each thing, they can become stressed or feel anxious without knowing why. This can explain the sudden outbursts that some people have, especially in noisy environments, for no obvious reason. Going back to this scenario again with the ceiling fan and the person with auditory processing delays, I would guess that most of the other people in that room never even noticed the ceiling fan tapping noise, or if they did, they noticed it for a minute when they first entered the room, then they didn't notice it anymore. This would represent what happens in what we would consider to be a typical auditory processing system. Their brains might notice the sound, but quickly realize that it's not important and therefore blocks it out for the rest of the time while they are in that room. This is an example of habituation. But for the person with processing delays, this sound may just continue to happen, and they continue to try to process it along with any other sound they hear, continuing to cause a backup in the sounds they are able to process, hopefully, eventually. That is why the people with delays may not become anxious or overwhelmed like people with sensitivities because many of the sounds end up getting lost in the mix of the slower processing, and it's not overwhelming because they just didn't even get a chance to try and process it. You can see why multi-step verbal directions could be difficult for a child with auditory processing delays to follow. It can explain why they might get the first direction, but then look at you blankly when you're expecting them to do the second or third steps too. They took so long to process the first step, that they completely missed hearing the next steps so they won't get processed unless you maybe say them again. They aren't trying to ignore you. Their brains just can't keep up with everything you've said. Now let's take the kitchen scenario and apply this to a person with auditory processing sensitivities. In the case where the phone starts ringing in the other room, the person with auditory sensitivities might be the first person to notice the phone ringing, However, because they are more sensitive to sounds, they are hearing and processing every single noise that is in the environment, or at least their brains are trying to do this. So while the person might hear the phone ring, a split second later they are hearing and processing many other sounds and might become distracted by the sound of someone opening the door, which could potentially make them forget that the phone is ringing in the other room. To everyone there, it might look like this person is hyperactive or forgetful, 
They said they heard the phone ring, but then forgot all about it when the other person walked in. You could also think of it like this, where they are hearing and processing the phone ringing, the person opening the door, the chair scooting across the floor, the ceiling fan tapping noise, and all the other sounds that no one else in the room would even notice, because they've probably habituated to them. All of those sounds being or attempting to be processed all at once, basically. Could be pretty overwhelming for this person. Their brain is not able to ignore the sounds that are repetitive or even just the sounds that aren't important for that moment. So they are busy processing everything and therefore making that person appear distracted and maybe forgetful. Well, I have to say that I think it would be very distracting to notice every sound in the room constantly. It would be very hard to focus on any one thing in particular, like one person talking to you or the phone ringing or reading something. I usually try to explain it to people in this way. Imagine going to a large indoor shopping mall or shopping center on Christmas Eve. There are tons of people. It's hard to walk through the place. And of course, Everyone is talking loudly, and there's probably music blasting through all the stores to show their holiday spirit. Now, you are going to sit down in the middle of this place and read a 100-page book, then write a report on what the main story was before you leave. Or, try to calculate 10 algebraic math problems. It's okay if you can't remember how to do algebra, you can just open the math book and refresh your memory and figure it out. This would be a difficult task for most people in this world, but I would call it nearly impossible for people who have sensitivities to auditory processing. Now, I don't think every situation in their lives is going to be as extreme as this example is, but it is something they are dealing with every day on some level. I hope by now this is making more sense to you and giving you a better understanding of what could be going on inside the person. We can only visibly see their actions or behaviors on the outside. But by us having this understanding of what's happening inside, we can start to figure out how to help the kids that we live and work with. Now, let's think about a classroom setting situation and what this might look like for a child with auditory processing difficulties. I want to use an example that to most kids would be no big deal, just a regular situation at school. Let's say that everyone is at their desks and the teacher is giving instructions for what to do next. So the teacher says, everyone listen up please, one, two, three, and the kids respond with, eyes on me. Then the teacher continues by saying, I would like for everyone to get your social studies book out of your desk, open to page 138, and get out a piece of paper and a pencil to take notes on. For a child with delayed auditory processing, they might respond with eyes on me just a few seconds after the rest of the class has already finished saying it. Then, they are most likely looking at the kids next to them to see what they're doing now, because it took them so long to process the teacher saying one, two, three, that by the time they responded by saying eyes on me, they had missed the next direction completely. So, they try to follow what they see other kids around them doing, who are hopefully also following the directions, and they may even raise their hand and start asking the teacher what they're supposed to do next. 
To the teacher, it might seem like this child was just goofing off before and not paying attention to them at all, or that they have some cognitive or learning delays that are preventing them from being able to follow multi-step directions like their peers. Of course, these things are sometimes the case with kids, but for our example, we are just focusing on the auditory processing issues, so we know this is not the case in this situation. The same example for a child who is sensitive to auditory stimuli, they may respond differently, but also kind of similarly to the child with delays. The process inside is very different. This child may have heard the teacher's instructions and processed them completely, then also heard the many conversations of the other kids around them going on while they're starting to get their books and paper and pencils out and ready. This child is busy looking around at all of the kids who are talking and looking around the room at all of the books being dropped onto the desks and the sounds of kids rummaging in their desks for their paper and their pencils, and someone may be using the pencil sharpener by the door. Someone else might be clapping their hands because they're the first one to be ready. In the meantime, the child with the sensitivities may or may not have gotten their book out or any other supplies yet. They've become too distracted by all of the non-important sounds going on around them because they can't block those sounds out. They literally have to pay attention to those sounds so they appear to the teacher to not be following directions. They might appear to have possible symptoms of attention deficit disorder because they can't seem to focus on basic instructions given by the teacher. When in reality, it can be so difficult for them to literally focus on the thing that is important in this example, which is following the teacher's verbal instructions. Remember, this is constantly going on all day, every day for these kids. You can see why things may seem to be worse in noisy environments for either of these kids. Now, which this now leads us to what can we do for them? They can't avoid noisy environments completely, and their brains may or may not change over time in their abilities to process the information coming in. So we need to use strategies that fit their current needs. First, I will say, for kids with sensitivities, keep in mind that it may not take very long for them to start feeling overwhelmed or anxious in noisy environments, either in public places like restaurants or stores or in school. The ideal situation would be to find ways to prevent them from becoming overwhelmed in the first place. Because once they become stressed or anxious, you can start to see the behaviors coming out, like having unexplained outbursts or becoming upset and maybe throwing things or knocking things over. This can look so different depending on the individual child, but the underlying reasons for these actions are the stress and the overwhelming feelings that are happening from trying to process all of the sounds around them. So one strategy is to hopefully prevent them from getting to the next level where they feel stressed or anxious or overstimulated. You can do this by recognizing their early warning signs, which again can be different for each kid. Things such as starting to talk out louder and louder, covering their ears more, making more humming sounds or other sounds with their mouth than usual, chewing on pencils or clothing or other objects, knocking paper off the desk for no apparent reason, and so many other examples. Basically, when you start to notice things might be ramping up in some way, especially when it seems unwarranted to others, give them a reason to leave the room. You can have them go get a drink in the hallway 
or have them push a heavy cart down the hall to the office to make a special delivery. Whatever excuse you can find that's appropriate for them to get out of the immediate room for at least a few minutes. Now, this may or may not be enough for them to reset their system and be at their starting level again, but it could help temporarily. You can let them use noise-canceling headphones at strategic times of the day. And some kids don't want to wear these because other kids aren't wearing them. So basic earplugs could be an option. They are more discreet but still functional. They can help block out the background noises so the child can focus on the teacher's voice. I know that a lot of schools have iPads available for kids to use. So you could use the iPad with headphones as a break time. This would allow them to only hear the noise coming from the iPad, which should be easier for them to process since it's only one sound stimulus, and could give them a break from the classroom sounds. You can strategically schedule this time with all the kids in the class at the same time so they don't stand out from the others. You can try placing their desk closer to the front or the area where the teacher stands most of the time rather than being in the middle of the rest of the desk so they are hearing all of the sounds around them instead of being able to focus more on the teacher. Consider having quieter kids sit closer to them rather than kids that talk more. Using visual strategies to help them, for example, writing the instructions on the board instead of just saying them out loud. The child can refer to those written instructions to try and see what comes next. For younger children, Or kids who don't read yet, you can use pictures for their visual cues or visual schedules of what comes next. Even though we are talking about auditory processing, using proprioceptive strategies can be helpful in these cases too, because things like weighted lap pads or weighted vests can provide some calming input for them, which might especially work for preventing the child from getting to the point of feeling overstimulated as fast as they would without the deep pressure. Chewing gum during certain times of the day might help for the deep pressure part from chewing, but also they can focus on the sound of the chewing, which can help block out some of those background distracting noises. Yes, the child with auditory sensitivities often focuses on the sounds of themselves chewing things. They can be so sensitive to sounds that this can either be distracting to them or it can be helpful for them to block out other sounds while they are chewing, and in a sense, give themselves a short break from those sounds. They can also wear a hat in the classroom, and I'm thinking about those winter skull cap type hats that might cover their ears and could also provide some type of deep pressure on their head, which can be calming. Now, for a child with auditory processing delays, They may also benefit from sitting at the front of the class so they can attempt to focus on the teacher. Verbal instructions can also be very difficult for them to follow, so visual strategies are also recommended for these kids. Writing the instructions or using pictures to help them see what's next or see what they're supposed to be doing can work better than trying to repeat the instructions verbally over and over. If you are going to give verbal instructions... Give only one at a time. Make sure the child is looking at the teacher and attending to them first. Give the verbal instruction one time. Do not continue to repeat it. 
Allow, allow the child some extra time to process what you said before you start saying it again or saying something else because they will get lost. If you're having, if you're giving instructions to the whole class, you might give all of the instructions, then go over to the child with the auditory delays and start over with step one and walk them through each step if needed. This can be very time consuming for the teachers and I understand I don't think they would have the time to do this every single time. So preparing visual cues or instructions ahead of time might work better. You may need to allow the student extra time to complete assignments and tests. Test taking for kids with any auditory processing difficulties should probably be done in a quiet room without distractions. Even in a quiet room, the child with sensitivities may benefit from wearing headphones to cancel out any of the background noises that you may not even be aware of. A child with processing delays isn't as likely to become overwhelmed or overstimulated, but it could happen. They are more likely to appear lazy or like they just never pay attention in class to those who don't recognize what's really going on with them. Small groups or one-on-one time with these kids would probably be most beneficial for their learning. In the home environment, parents can can and should use the same types of strategies that I've given for the school. Try to recognize your child's signs of when they're beginning to become overstimulated and remove them from that environment before they start to act out or become upset. Offer quiet areas in the home or in their bedroom, especially where they can go to decompress and take breaks when they need it. You can offer headphones or other ear-covering strategies for when you are out in public places to try and prevent them from becoming overwhelmed by all of the sounds. Use deep pressure strategies like weighted blankets or weighted stuffed animals, especially in noisy places, for a calming effect. Using visual cues or pictures to show them where you are going next or what you want them to do. You can, for example, hold up your shoes to give them a visual of shoes to help them process faster and understand that you're asking them to go and find their shoes. Make sure you have their attention before giving them instructions. If necessary, physically get on their level so they can focus on your face when you're talking to them. You can sit on the floor in front of them or bend down if they're small so they can focus on you more easily. Give one verbal instruction at a time and don't repeat the instruction over and over. Give them extra time to process what you've said. I know I mentioned a few times that one of the key things is to try and prevent the kids from getting to the point where they are feeling overwhelmed and where they might act out or become upset. I understand this is not always possible because sometimes we don't recognize the signs or it just happens faster than we thought it would, or many other reasons why it gets to that point when we don't want it to. In those situations, consider what got them to that point in the first place. The inability to process all of the sounds in the environment and the inability to block out the ones that aren't necessary. So, don't add to the situation by trying to talk to them about how they are feeling, or try to talk them back into feeling calm again. In fact, try not to talk much or at all if possible. 
Instead, try to help them find a quiet, safe spot where they can have time to be away from sound stimulation and let their body get back to a calmer state. When you try to continue talking or reasoning with them, you are just giving them more sounds to try and process, and by that time, they're done with it. So anything extra that you say to them could just make the situation worse. Not because they don't want to talk to you or they don't like you, but because they need a break from trying to process sounds. I think this is the biggest problem I see when adults are trying to honestly help these kids, but they don't recognize they're only adding to the problem. Like I said, help them get to a quiet place that is safe and have the items available that you know are calming for them. Things like a weighted blanket, maybe it's a bean bag, or just books that they can look at by themselves, not you reading to them unless they ask for it. Headphones with an iPad or music, just a regular blanket they can just cover their head or their whole body with. If you're in a public place, you may need to go out to the car and let them sit in the car with you, but don't talk to them, don't play music unless they're asking for it. Every child will have different specific things that will work for them. You will figure those out, but keep in mind the reason they are acting out in the first place and try to help them get away from that until they are feeling calm again. Well, I certainly have carried on with this topic for today. If you haven't tuned out by now, I want to thank you for listening and let you know that I'm almost done. But first, I want to point out that the Autism Parenting Magazine is offering a deal for new subscribers right now. If you go to my website, mymidwesttherapy.com, you can find that deal right there. Basically, if you sign up for a year subscription, they will give you all of the 2018 issues for free also. This deal ends at the end of the day on Cyber Monday, which is November 26th. Also, I know it's Amazon.com season for everyone, so please think of me and use the links on my website to get to Amazon.com before making any of your purchases. I am an affiliate for both Autism Parenting Magazine and Amazon. So if you make a purchase on either place, I will get a small kickback from them. It won't cost you any more than it does when you do your regular shopping, but it does help me out a little bit. All you have to do is get there using one of the links from my website, and that's it. It's super easy for you, and it helps show your support for me and for the work that I'm doing for you here. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. 